Welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stackin here, Travis Crins with you as well, or with us here. Uh, fine ho- a co-host of this podcast as well as the 2080 Baseball Podcast, both of which can be found on iTunes. And uh, Travis, hello, how are we doing? Good evening. Good evening. Uh, I mean... Good. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, weather, it seems like it's quieted down a little bit, so you know, we're not on weather duty this good. week. Is that correct? No weather duty for me, and uh, once you know it, uh, weather uh, happened last week while I'm on duty, and uh, this week it sounds like Tuesday night could be an active night besides that. Nothing. Temperatures in the low 80s, so... And how nice that it's nice out rather than scorching hot and humid. Uh, That that we are very excited about, too. Uh, Speaking of weather, the Open Championship was this uh, past weekend. Royal Birkdale in Southport, England. And uh, what a tournament it was, especially on Sunday. I don't remember a Sunday of a major like this one. And let's be fair here to set the picture a little bit more or a wider picture of this last year Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenson had one of the greatest uh, great duels in recent major history with them going back and forth shot for shot Stenson ended up winning and then Sunday here at the Ma- uh, at the Open Championship Jordan Spieth has a three stroke lead over Matt Kuchar and the it seemed like early on that the Demons the final round demons were going to come back and bite Spieth yet again. Yes. Yes. Spieth kind of had a had a back and forth with himself. He kind of dueled with himself. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is, when you see him leading on Sundays in a uh, like the Masters or now a British Open, you know, like what's he going to do to mess it up? And he almost did again. And uh, couldn't put worth a damn to begin with, and then yep. all of a sudden, last last five holes, I uh, played perfect. Yeah, uh, for three of the first four holes were bogeys. Seemed to right the ship a little bit there. Uh, Matt Kuchar was just playing, uh, you know, playing ho hum. He was playing very good, but he wasn't really seizing the moment, I guess. But he was just kind of waiting for Spieth perhaps to fall apart. And what changed everything was the 13th hole, par 4, and Spieth sails his tee shot like 100 yards to the right. It takes him like 15 or 20 minutes, and eventually they do find, like they they found it. Spieth took an unplayable. He goes back and hits it from the practice ground while Tong Lee is just arriving to practice because at that point, he had finished his round. He was six under. Should Kucher and Spieth had been have you know keep kind of bogeying and putzing along here? You never know. You might end up in a playoff at this point. And Spieth pulls off a great iron shot, saves bogey on the hole, which is unbelievable. And then I, I turned. I was watching with my father-in-law. I said, "That's a huge bogey right there." And for him to only be down one right now with. Kucher only parring it said that's huge I want to see what he does but you could tell that he was relieved by the bogey 
and that there was maybe something that happened on that hole, and he was lasered in at that point. Man, he had a good shot to get out of the mess, and uh, it was a big mess. I think it was probably, I don't know why it took so long. He's on the top of a hill, or at the bottom of the hill, on a bad spot, and he couldn't see where he was hitting the ball. Again, I don't know why that was considered unplayable. Um, plenty of slots on that golf course, as it always is during this tournament, where if you hit it, uh, hit it left or right, you're going to be in a mess. So it took way too long, but uh, yeah, Bogey was, uh, was as good as he could have hoped for, and uh, yeah, he rolled from there. Yes, he did. Uh, next hole, par three, nearly aces it. Aces his tee shot, makes birdie there. Uh, I believe Kuchar made par. Then on the next hole, Eagle. I mean, he made a long putt. He couldn't putt from t- inside 10 feet initially uh, or early on. And then, you know, after that uh, huge save there on 13, 14, he makes a, an easy birdie putt. 15, makes a long Eagle putt. 16, an even longer birdie putt. I mean, he was just rolling after that. I remember watching it, and I said, of course, I would hope I remembered it was just the other day. But I I just thought to myself, I'm trying not to be prisoner of the moment, but I can't remember another guy since Tiger Woods, or maybe other than Tiger Woods as I've been watching golf and majors over the years, that when he is on... He is on, and it doesn't seem like anyone can touch him. And that's what it was like with Jordan Spieth. Because no matter what Kuchar did, Jordan Spieth responded. And it, it was just remarkable golf to watch. It was very good. Yeah, nobody really was close to him. Uh, there, I mean, you look at the, uh, what he won by three shots, and there was um, that uh, was Chinese guy he had to... Shoot to what a 63 just to finish within five shots. So really, it was Kuchar and and Spieth. They won this one. They were five six shots better than anybody else. And uh, yeah, Kuchar just didn't have enough. Usually, he probably win the tournament, but um, yeah, Spieth. He's gonna he's gonna win a lot of these tournaments. Yep. Uh, interestingly enough, I'm just looking at some numbers here. Uh, NBC got a 3.6 rating. For the tournament, which is down eight percent from last year, which I'm a little surprised by, it still exceeds the Open uh, or the U.S. Open. But I, I was really surprised. I'm, I'm surprised just looking at these numbers uh, that it wasn't a little higher. Well, Phil Mickelson, I would say, is the biggest draw in golf right now. Even higher than Jordan Spieth. Yep. I would say those numbers prove it. Like if I would assume Phil Mickelson would have had a little better numbers if he would have been in the same spot. But um, I mean, sure as hell isn't Henrik Stenson. So uh, yeah, Phil Mickelson, he's uh, the most well-known name in golf right yep. now. It's going to take a while before people uh, recognize Keith as that guy. But uh, still, uh, still a good number, I guess. A uh, most streamed golf event for NBC was the uh, was the Open Championship here. So that, I mean, that doesn't factor in uh, to the ratings, but that's that's still good for NBC. Uh, their coverage is phenomenal. Johnny Miller's commentary, at times, aside, uh, but I really I I shouldn't say that. I don't have a problem with Johnny Miller like other people do. 
but you have uh, David uh, Faraday and um, oh god, I'm, I'm missing the other guy's name now. Paul. Yeah, Roger Maltby. Well, Paul. I was thinking. I think he, he almost reminds me of Paul McGuire from ESPN Sunday Night Football. Do you remember him? Sure. Kind of look alike. Yeah, Roger Maltby's great. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed their coverage. And if we're looking at the grand scheme of things here, Jordan Spieth has come so close in other majors before. Uh, you know, he had, of course has shit the bed numerous times at Augusta. Now he's come close to the Open Championship before the last couple of years. But, I mean, again, I'm trying not to be prisoner of the moment here, but I think this guy can certainly challenge Jack Nicklaus's major record here, assuming things keep going right. He doesn't get injured or doesn't do anything stupid to wreck his career like Tiger Woods has done. Uh, sky's the limit for him. He's 23, will turn 24 this week, I believe, on Thursday, and he's already won three legs of the career Grand Slam He's the second youngest to do it. I mean, it's it's just remarkable what he's doing. Very good at a young age. I'll go about half. I mean, it's, I'm probably at ten majors right now, uh, which would put him, I think, third or fourth all time. So, if he gets up to twelve by the time you know he's in his mid thirties, and we can start talking about um, Jacqueline Nicholas's record, but um, he's got to figure out his messes on Sundays. And um, he's probably because Tiger Woods was so much better than everybody else. And uh, as you said, when Spieth is playing his A game, nobody can beat him. But there's a lot of other guys. There, there's not much. There's not that gap that there was with Tiger and everybody else. There's a lot of other guys that can beat Spieth if he's just playing good. So, like if even a Tiger Woods was playing like good. Nobody else is going to beat him anyway. Right. Yeah, he could be off a little bit and still win. Now, I, you know, just doing the math here, he turns 24 this week. So in his 20s, could he theoretically get pick up nine more majors? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, could he get to 12 by 30? That would be just over one a year that he would have to win. He just has to win 25% of the major of the of the majors in a given calendar year, I don't think that's impossible to say right now. I know the field is very is very thick, uh, got a lot of good golfers out there, but Spieth is the, I, yeah, I don't care that Dustin Johnson is number one right now, because when Spieth's at his best, he, he will crush Dustin Johnson. I, I'm fairly certain of this. But if you're looking at the numbers, it's just essentially one a year that he would have to win. Well, if you think Rory's going to win seven, I think he's going to win like seven or eight majors. He's like halfway there. He's won three or four already. Mm-hmm. So he's going to win some. Dustin Johnson's probably got, I don't know, one or two more he's going to win. And we've had all these first-time winners uh, for the last three years. So, you know, one a year's not all that great. But you look at Tiger Woods, and uh, he won, what, four in a row at one point. He's winning two or three a year. Right. Great. A couple of your stretch. So if he goes on one of those runs and knocks off five or six of them in the span of about two years, then yeah, then you can start talking, uh, talking eighteen majors. Yeah. Now you have said that you haven't watched a lot of golf or a lot of the majors here. How much of this tournament did you watch? Think the end of the first two days. Saw a little bit Saturday. Watched the entire final pairing on Sunday. 
Did you? Okay. And did you do that because it was close because Spieth was winning? I mean, I guess what what drew you to watching it all on Sunday, at least all of the final pairing with him and Kuchar? Yes and yes. Spieth was there. He's number one. He's the best. Uh, it was close. It was those two back and forth. And uh, Kuchar's a name, and he's never won before. I was kind of rooting for him to win it. And uh, the dramatics that uh, finally ended up happening, what, 13th hole? Yep. And um, 12th, 13th hole. And it all it all lived up to the hype. So it was, uh, it was yes. a good tournament. And it was everything you were hoping to see. And you got a little bit of the of the weather involved too on Sunday because it started out nice and sunny and everything. Then the winds picked up. You got a little rain in there. I'd be curious to see. I know that uh, as I mentioned, NBC gets a three point six overnight rating, but I wonder when it really started to peak for them because I have to imagine that people are hearing about oh about what's going on on the thirteenth hole, and then going on in. I have to think that NBC had a higher rating. Or had to have peaked somewhere around noon or you know, eleven o'clock, noon Eastern time, wouldn't you say? I would assume so. Yeah, later we get into this thing; it gets higher and higher, and can't imagine there's too many people watching before noon. Um, and I like that guys were shooting sixty threes like it was nothing. Uh, Brennan Grace shot a sixty-two. Yes, and it was like, yeah, guys. I mean, there were half dozen guys that shot a sixty-three. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It, it, again, and that's the beauty of the open, though, because someone can go shoot a sixty-two, and then like three group or like four or five half dozen groups behind them. All of a sudden, the weather can change, and you shoot like a, a seventy or seventy-one. It's that crazy. It's why I love the open so much. The weather, apart from Friday, really didn't have a whole lot of it, but it was still a phenomenal tournament. Uh, I can't wait for next year uh, already. I'll be up with Little Stack, and we'll be watching it. Uh, I might be a little more preoccupied, but but, but we'll, we'll be doing it here. I, I look forward to next year for sure. Uh, any other thoughts on the Open Championship before we get to other things? Uh, I can wait a year. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with a year. Okay. okay. Should be good. Should it be is. Good. I, it's my favorite tournament of the year, and it uh, has lived up to the hype for sure the last couple of years. Uh Baseball or OJ next? What do you want to go with? Score the baseball. Okay, the uh, baseball, the, the you know trade deadline approaching here, and the Minnesota Twins have made a move. I don't know how much significance, but they have made a move, and it is Jaime Garcia and a catcher for a minor league prospect. Um, Tell me more about the the minor league prospect that the Twins gave up. Uh, Jaime has not pitched great this year, but uh, he is a guy. Uh, the Twins made a move. Rate the significance of this. Give it a six. Uh, minor leaguer, never heard of him. Who okay. scarred no? Who scarred Noah? He's a 19-year-old kid from Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic. Uh, he's been with the Twins. This is his third year. He's been in the minor, minor league, still in the rookie league ball. And uh, this was the type of guy I was hoping they would trade some guy of no significance whatsoever. So that is good news. Uh, they were going to trade Nick Birdie uh, for uh, last week when the trade didn't go through, and I was not pleased with that at all, that they would get rid of him. 
and uh, he's having Tommy John right now, but um, I've got high hopes for him, but he's been a disappointment. Um, so I'm glad they gave up this guy. They gave up nobody for him. Uh, this catcher, I have no idea why they, it's a 33-year-old catcher who has spent time in the majors. Um, I would have said, thanks for no thanks. I don't want this guy on my team. He's a waste of space. They get rid of him whenever they want. Uh, good move. He automatically becomes their third best starter behind Barrios and Santana. Isn't that kind and of sad? It is kind of sad. He's more, I mean, he's more of a four or five starter, but he's between the number three right now, and uh, they're struggling a bit here. They're getting, I hate, I hate it when they're more than two games back. Division, wild card, and uh, they got the Dodgers now, and they got Oakland. Uh, you'd hope to get out of there with a at least a 500 record, and then you got I think, two games in San Diego early next week. So I would take a uh, four and four trip. Uh, I'll keep going about 500 right here as we make our three, make our way to August. But uh, Amy Garcia spent his career with the Cardinals, um, a slightly above average pitcher, not going to strike a ton of guys out. Uh, career ERA good at 3.65 um, a slightly above average pitcher that of which the Twins do not have so good move yeah, and, I approve and just looking at more of the details of this the Braves are paying the remaining 4.6 million on Garcia's contract. They're paying the you know 200. They're going to pick up 200 thousand of the 300 thousand owed to Wrecker. So that that alone for some minor league you know pitcher that you know we've never heard of that isn't really going to make that big of a of an impact. I mean, yeah, I would say the Twins certainly won here. You know, Jaime again, four and seven this year with a four point three one ER or four point three zero ERA. I, I get, I think that's an okay trade. Uh, it's not a bold trade like a, trying to get Sonny Graham or a U Darvish, but it shows at least that the Twins are trying to improve and trying to win and not stand pat. Like I thought they would. I knew they weren't going to sell. But uh, I thought they might stand pat, so I'm I'm okay with this, especially when they don't have to give up much. Yeah, they hope to get some uh, bullpen guys too. Kansas City got some bullpen guys, so uh, they made a move Monday as well. Um, again, they just played the Dodgers a couple days ago, and he had that grand slam. Uh, Garcia did; he gave up three runs in seven innings, so he'll start uh, maybe Friday versus Oakland. I would assume. Friday or Saturday versus Oakland. We got the fat man Bartolo going on Monday night, so um, we'll see how this goes. Um, I would be fine with saying so long to the fat man if uh, he doesn't do well on Monday, and it's um, a disappointment that he's playing the best team in baseball at the moment, so that's not great for him. Um, you keep the fat man around for another couple starts. If he's okay, you can send Kyle Gibson to the bullpen, but Gibson's pitched pretty well last couple of weeks so they, they gotta make a move Buxton's coming off the DL here in a day or two so I would be fine sending Zach Granite back down I think that's the easy move and to activate Buxton so um, they made some bullpen moves they got rid of Craig Breslow reliever uh, lefty who was not good and probably gonna retire hopefully they make a couple more bullpen moves get some of the shit out of there get some better pitchers Easier said than done, but uh, I think it's going to be a busy week. 
Uh, twins looking at the week, they took two of the, two out of three from the Yankees. That was good, but then they lose two of three to the Tigers. Uh, so three and three. I mean, we've kind of said that this would be about a 500 team for the year. You go 500 at home, not great. Uh, rate the Twins week and uh, what what kind of happened here? It was a C. Give it a C. Two out of three from the Yankees, that's good. Because you're chasing them in the wild card. Uh, losing two out of three to Detroit, that's bad. Uh, bullpen was bad on Sunday. Lots of runs. So, um, And they almost, they almost got swept. Gibson went. Uh, nearly went seven shutout innings. Gave up a couple runs. And a 6 nothing game got to be a 6-4, 6-5 game pretty damn quick. And they're fortunate to win that game. So, give it a C. Okay. Uh, that's that's fair, and again, you got the Dodgers this week, the A's on the road. You would hope they could go 500 tops, probably. I mean, two and four. I mean, I mean, yeah, three and three minimum would be great, but I'm looking more probably at like a two and four here, uh, sort of week. Oh but hey, at least the Twins don't have to face Kershaw, and no one will have to face Clayton Kershaw here for the next four to six weeks. He leaves Sunday's game against the Braves after an inning with some back tightness. Uh, fortunately for the Dodgers, they're the best team in baseball, so this won't impact them significantly. Uh, remember, Kershaw was out for part of last year, and the Dodgers still wound up making the playoffs. So uh, how how damaging is this loss uh, for the Dodgers and for Kershaw? I mean, because this sort of injury maybe could lead to something else down the road, which is perhaps why the Dodgers are being a little precautious with the four to six weeks here. But at the same time, too, you, you have that significant lead, uh, and you, you never know what can happen after this. He had a herniated disc last year, and he was out for two months. But apparently this is a little different from what I've read. So it's not good. Um, you know, he's he's um, 30 years old or so, and if he can play for another seven or eight, I mean, he's very good chance of being a Hall of Famer right now. And if he can play for seven or eight years, he can put him in the discussion for greatest ever. But... They've got plenty of starters. They've got one, two, three, four. They've got six or seven starters, um, and a lot of them are hurt. They just put Brandon McCarthy on the DL, and they got Injun Ryu coming off the DL to face the Twins on Monday, and uh, Rich Hill's got blister problems. He's back pitching fine. Uh, so all their starters are good, but they all have history of injuries, which concerns me all the time. But should not be a big deal. Um, I think Dodgers are going to make a big move. I think they'll get you Darvish or, or somebody of that. So I think Sonny they're going to make a big move. I think Sonny Green is going to go to either the Yankees, the Astros uh, would be my two top, top ones right there. Um, Sonny Green would be good. I think they're going to go for it all. You Darvish, the Dodgers are good. They haven't won a series in 29 years. They haven't gotten to one in 29 years. Um, they've got a team to win. Uh, they're better than every other team in the National League. I don't think they're going to screw around. I think they're going to get Hugh Darvish. They have enough to give up for him. And I think they're going to go for the whole thing. I, I agree with that. I think the Cubs also could be in this mix here, especially with the Brewers falling off the face of the earth last week with a what a one in five or a one in six 
a week against the Pirates and Phillies. That's awful. I mean, Brewers, come on. The Cubs are starting to play well right now. They smell blood in the water. And, I mean, I think the Cubs really could continue to bolster their starting pitching by going after either a Sonny Gray or you Darvish. What do you think the chances are that the Cubs will do this? The Cubs are going to do another. Yeah, they're just something with pitching. They got Quintana, they got Lester, they got Hendricks, who just came off the DL. And then uh, lost to the White Sox on Monday. That makes me laugh. Yeah. They've got a lot of guys, but again, injuries as well. Um, so I think they're going to make another move, uh, whether it's bullpen or starter. I mean, Sonny Gray, Hugh Darvish, the two big names out there. And uh, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like we've had a lot of trades early this year which is good so good good that something's getting done here and the trade trade the actual deadline may not be all that exciting because uh, most of the games are are, yeah it it helps too when you have almost everyone in the American League who's in a spot you know they can compete for a wild card or the division and you have the top teams in the national league it's kind of like an arms race uh pun intended because i mean you do have the nationals try, you know they bolstered their bullpen you have the dodgers who have the best record and now have to deal with clayton kershaw the the reigning world series champion chicago cubs want to get back in it you know who knows what colorado and and arizona might do to improve their chances so i mean this is and yeah the brewers could do something the astros the red sox everyone is making I, this is phenomenal I, I really like seeing what's going on here yankees they probably made um the best trade so far yes um and they could still like they still look like they still want to add a pitcher which they need so a lot of teams did some good stuff uh, tampa bay needs some bullpen help so it's um a lot, lots of teams out there. Kansas City made a move, and Chicago's pretty much sold all their pieces that they can, so not much left with Chicago right now. And, uh, yeah, Marlins have a few guys they could get rid of. And uh, Pittsburgh, they're right back in it. They're only three games back, and Cardinals are four games back, even though they're still under 500. So, it's, uh, trade deadline is good stuff. The absolutely is the Yankees you know have, have started to go in and like you said we they got Robertson they got Frazier from the White Sox last week they might make another move for another big uh, key, uh, pitcher or someone like that you know for for over the last few years they've really uh, embraced the farm system built it back up because for years when George Steinbrenner was running it, he would just be like, oh, we're going to trade for the best guys. And, the, and their farm system really wasn't all that great uh, because they'd trade all the way, away all their decent prospects. So when people came of age, then you, you have no one really to replace them with. Are the Yankees, do you think, going back to that? Uh, it, not not full fledged, but do you see them maybe kind of going back and trying to lure you know the the big guys with the big signs like a Bryce Harper or a, I mean they've even perhaps had talks with the Marlins about Stanton. Uh, do we see them kind of going back into that sort of that nineties, the early two thousands era of Yankee baseball? Yeah, they got rid of Jeter's contract and A Rod and CC Sabathia is coming due here in a few years. Um, so they're, they're a young team. And they really don't have big contracts outside of Sabathia. Um, so yeah, they, they they have money to spend. They're going to be right there 
next year spending right with uh, anybody else who wants Harper and Machado and whoever else is out there. But uh, yeah, they've got a great farm system, so they've got uh, plenty of guys. If they want to, they're not going to trade their top top guys. But uh, they have more than enough to give to give Oakland for Sonny Gray. Um, so they, yeah, Yankees uh, they're going to be good for a long time. The Chicago White Sox mentioned this to you in the Google chat on Sunday, I believe. Um, Sports Illustrated hasn't put the cover yet, but I whole I fully hope that they will do this here within the next year, year and a half or so. Uh, do we want to get on the White Sox for 2021 or 2022, maybe even as late as 2023 World Series champions here? Because this is, it seems like they're doing the exact blueprint that the Houston Astros did, and look what it's done for Houston this year and even last year too. They are playing outstanding baseball this year, and the White Sox trading away all their guys for some high uh, blue chip prospects. This is good stuff for the White Sox. They are going to be a, a team to really fear here, I would say, in about three years or so. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys. Just got to see if any of them are going to be good. You know, they got a lot of pitchers. Yoan uh, Mancata, who is the best of the bunch, he's already up. and uh, He's been fine. He's in like 111, so he has a couple. He's been up for like a week. So we'll see where he has. He is at the end of the month. Hopefully he doesn't pull up Buxton. But, um, you know, I'm always hearing of all these prospects until they actually do something. Um, does not guarantee success. It's a good strategy to have to get all these guys, but mm-hmm. uh, if they've got 10 or 12 really good guys, if even three or four of them are good guys, that's going to help a lot. But um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wait and see a little bit here with the White Sox, see see what they have. You're not quite ready to to do it yet. Got to see a little something. Okay, but we kind of jumped on the on the Astros here early. So what, yeah. when would... Right, I mean, because we said, okay, the Astros, this is our team here in 2017, and then neither of us picked them to win the World Series, so shame on us. But don't you think that the White Sox can sort of achieve what the Astros did in terms of you know breaking it all down and building it up from scratch? The, the Houston thing, they were like a, uh, a new era Moneyball type deal. Uh, with all the, the sabermetrics and the new stats and the way they were going about things, which I really liked. Okay. So, and, and that's, and that's kind of, I would say that would be the big difference here with the White Sox. Um, you know, I don't know they're from the Kenny Williams, I assume, is still their GM, so not quite uh, as innovative as Houston was. So okay. that's why I, I, I really liked what Houston was doing. Um, I felt like they were ahead of everybody else about how baseball was played. So that's uh, one of the reasons. Okay, that's totally fair. I, I like that point there. Um, anything this week then that you're looking at in terms of a series or uh, just the baseball in general, what are you excited for? Trade deadline, see if uh, anything happens. Maybe somebody goes on a 5-6 game winning streak or losing streak and all of a sudden they thought they were sellers, they're going to be buyers or the other way around. Hopefully the Twins don't go on like a five-game losing streak because that would be really bad. But, uh, I mean, Kansas City continues to play well after a horrendous start. Um, uh, again, American League, just a goddamn mess. And um, Arizona not playing well right now. They've lost uh, seven of ten. So uh, interested to see if that wild card maybe gets a little bit more interesting in the uh, National League, maybe with Milwaukee, looking at the wild card now. 
Who uh, is your uh, pitcher of the week? Your obscure pitcher of the week? Oh shit! Gotta find an obscure pitcher of the week. Mm. Come back to me on that one. Okay. All right. We will. A uh, couple of other big stories from last week. Uh, college football. Uh, it's bigger than I guess OJ getting pearl, but we'll 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 touch on that here momentarily. Uh, Hugh Freeze out as Ole Miss head coach after uh, calling a female escort service on a university-provided cell phone. This seemed uh, in, in in isolation not to be a huge deal. It it doesn't look good on him or the university. But when you compile this with the allegations, uh, like the the, the rule breaking in terms with with recruiting and Ole Miss has tried to soften the blow. They, uh, they have fewer guys on scholarship and what they did they implemented a bull ban or something. I mean they were bad last year five and seven, but uh, Hugh Freeze was able to get them to a New Year's bowl a New Year's six bowl game. They he beat Alabama twice. Uh, but this uh, a little shadier stuff off the field, it would seem like breaking some rules. And this, I just think Ole Miss said, we cannot defend this any longer. We've got to cut ties with him. So again, in isolation, it is a deal. I don't know if it's a deal that would get you fired, but uh, Hugh Freeze had done enough, I think, at that point, enough damage that Ole Miss had to say, we you gots to go. Of all the things that they are being accused of in this investigation, which has taken a decade, uh, this would be on the end of that list. This is not, you know. Right. I don't, yeah, I would not have fired him for this, but again, it's an easy way for them to say, we're going to fire you for this because there's all this other stuff going on and we're probably not going to be very good for a long time. So, yeah, stupid for him. Uh, Not sure why you're doing that, and how you're doing that is probably... Not the best way to do that. So, uh, an idiot all around, old miss, stupid. And my pitcher of the week is uh, Francis Martez. Uh, he's with Houston. We love Houston. Uh, starter, a good starter. He's only 21 years old. They called him up a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, uh, because they needed a starter because uh, they were hurt. All the starters are back now. So, instead of uh, doing something like the Twins would do, and sending them back down to the minor leagues. They keep them. Uh, they put them in the bullpen. Helps their bullpen out. He went two in the third inning the other day against Baltimore. Uh, shut out baseball. Uh, went two and a third out of the bullpen in Seattle. Shut out baseball. Went an inning and two thirds against the Twins uh, last week when they played to open up the second half. Shut out baseball. So you take a guy who's your best starter in the minors and you put him in the bullpen and you have him be a super reliever who goes two innings whenever he goes out there, and he's great. So Houston, goddamn model organization, yes. and Hugh Free is a stupid jackass. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Uh, this might just be more of a factoid or just another piece to the puzzle, but uh, I believe Hugh Freeze is you know, kind of – I mean, he's big out there in terms of like – saying that he's a Christian and all of this jazz and now he's going to look and back and say oh I, I need to I, I committed a big sin here and all this other stuff I I mean I what was he was he in over his head because 
I guess I didn't really realize this. Perhaps I should have. That uh, I mean, he's associated with Michael Orr. He was Michael Orr's, you know, head high school head coach, right? Yeah, something to do with their, like he was like an old miss gets all of these recruits. How the hell do they get all of these guys? Right. And so Hugh Freeze, yeah, like Hugh Freeze was like the guy. Uh, he was like the guy. Yeah. So and, uh, and then they made him head coach. Yeah. I. So I'm wondering if. If he was just in way over his head, or he just blatantly was doing all the stuff, and then was uh, trying to deflect and say, "No, no, we're doing everything right." I mean, I I don't know. It's it's just very it's a very bizarre and puzzling to me uh, the heights of which Ole Miss achieved everything, and now they're hoping that maybe their their success can help sustain them here uh, while the they await and. Uh, embrace whatever uh, penalties the NCAA levels against them. I gotta think that Ole Miss is going to be bad for quite some time now, maybe the next half decade or so, maybe longer. Uh, but I guess that leads me to another question. What program has a brighter future? Baylor or Ole Miss? Baylor because it's easier to win in the Big 12. Okay. And they're, say they're maybe one year along with this process of people leaving and coaches being fired. And they weren't terrible last year. Probably going to be worse this year. Oh, yeah, they're going to be way bad. <laughs> but I uh, will see, you know, if they go 6-6, six and six, that'd be pretty good for them. I mean, they play dog shit about... Uh, out of conference schedule as always so that's three wins for you there you can beat Kansas and, and, and Iowa State you know you can get to five wins so Baylor better because easier conference and uh, with that offense they continue that offense there that's um, giving folks problems I could see and I don't think anything else is going to come of all these dozens of rape allegations so I think uh, in a couple of years they get through this so they can be you know, back to where they were Okay. See, and I agree with what you're saying here in principle. Uh, I almost think Ole Miss is a better job, or they, I mean, that they'll have a, a brighter future because it's the SEC, and the SEC does tend to get the better athletes. They are, I mean, the, the Big 12 consistently gets shut out of bowl games. The one detriment, though, would be that. You have to. You're in the same division as Alabama, and until Nick Saban leaves, uh, you're not going to gain any headway there necessarily between them and LSU. And I would say the other thing that you have your work cut out for you is trying to keep guys from Mississippi in the state of Mississippi uh, because they're going to the Alabamas, the University of Texas, the LSU's of the world. It's been very difficult. So, as you mentioned, it was a little uh, suspicious with when Hugh Freeze was getting all of these guys. And we don't know what sort of allegations will come against Ole Miss. But, I mean, Baylor's going to be in the dumps for a while, I think. I, they are going to have a tough time recruiting. Yes, you do get to play Kansas and Iowa State, so that's great. But I, I just don't see Baylor really being able to come back to any relevancy for a while. 
and I th- I think Ole Miss can at least stay uh, relevant because of the conference and the division that they are in. I would say there's like Oklahoma is the best team in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State's pretty good. Other than that, there's really nobody where you're like, ah. We can't be better than them. We'll, we try a little well, bit. Well, Tom Herman with Texas eventually will get that that program back up. I got to think Dana Holgerson at at West Virginia. He's he's someone. I'm waiting for you, Texas. Been bad for a while here. I'm waiting for you, Texas. But um, I think Baylor will be fine. I mean, Kansas. I mean, Iowa State. Bad, bad stuff right there. And um, I can just imagine what Kansas State's going to be if Bob Snyder ever dies. So is it Bill um, Snyder? Yes, Bill Snyder as well. Snyder. Um, so not, I mean, I, I mean, Big 12 is easier, so that's why I would go with. And they're in Texas, and they got their new stadium. So, like, Old Miss has never, like, Old Miss obviously is better than Baylor in the last 20 years. But Baylor's been, Baylor's peak was better than Old Miss. You think Baylor's peak was better? Because, again, you, if you're Ole Miss, you beat Alabama twice, you reach a New Year's Six Bowl. You think that was better than Baylor? Or that was worse than Baylor? Yeah, Baylor, they reached the well, they reached New Year's Six Bowl. They were in the Cotton That's Bowl, true. I think. That's been, true. They beat, uh, they, they beat Michigan State, I think, was 42-41. Yeah, something like that. I think they, they, they came back and beat Michigan State. So, and like, Ole Miss was, Ole Miss was number one. Like, you know, Baylor was a potential... I think Baylor had a better shot of a playoff. Like, Ole Miss... Then Ole Miss did. Ole Miss had their chance uh, when, what, Mississippi State was number one. They mm-hmm. were uh, ranked number one for a while. I think they may have been one-two together, which was insane. But um, very close. I think, you know, Baylor's got a chance to, to reach that again someday. We should uh, note here that probably starting in a couple weeks, we'll begin the college football preview. It will be two big-for-one podcasts. We're going to have to split this up here into multiple podcasts, I believe, because you combine that with the NFL here. I know you're you're extremely excited about that. Speaking of uh, the NFL, quickly... uh, the Jerry Jones comes out, says something about Ezekiel Elliott. He defends him, essentially calls uh, his accuser a liar. Um, so that doesn't look good on you, Jerry Jones. Uh, but then he and the Cowboys cut Lucky Whitehead, who's been accused of shoplifting from a convenience store, $200. His agent says he has, phone, or, uh, has plane records to prove otherwise, and yet... Uh, Lucky Whitehead, no longer a cowboy. So it's funny, yeah, the Cowboys are getting in all sorts of trouble, and Lucky Whitehead, who had his dog stolen last week, uh, held for ransom, and he got him at the dog back. I don't, you know, I didn't read too much into this story, but it's funny that he's the scapegoat, and, uh, I mean, until something really happens with Elliot, I guess, I mean, there's nothing really to, to say, but... For Jones to be so dismissive, I think uh, it, it's somewhat alarming, but not entirely surprising. One player is significantly better than the other. Yes. That's all I need to know as far as legal system and somebody getting fired for uh, a crime. So, that's all I need to know. Yep. Yes, it is. Uh Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the Vikings opening up training camp last year at M- at, Man- at Mankato State here. It's 
or Minnesota State Mankato, how whatever it's called these days, uh, they will be putting training camp on at their new facility and uh, practice facility in Egan next year. So it's the end of an era, 52 years now. Uh, kind of sad when you when you think about it, but uh, the writing was definitely on the wall. I went there once in 2004. I saw Randy Moss's last training camp. I saw a scrimmage against the Chiefs. There were lots of fights. I saw Brock Lesnar body slam a guy. I had fun. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Sharif Floyd on the non-football injury list. Uh, Latavius Murray, not out. Uh, he's on the physically unable to perform list. As of now, I believe you know, Teddy Bridgewater will eventually make it there. Andrew Luck with the Colts. He's on the physically unable to perform list. I will call my shot right now that the Colts will be the worst team in the AFC South this year. Uh, no higher than third, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the NFL preview more Blake later. Bortles is the quarterback for a goddamn NFL team. I know. I know. Until that changes, they're not worse than Jackson. Okay, uh, Brian Hoyer is also the starting quarterback for an NFL team. Brian Hoyer is better than Blake Bortles. Oh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, you know who isn't employed yet still is Colin Kaepernick, so... That's funny. I don't think he will be either. Yeah, I know. He's done. Funny how that works. I, yeah, I don't think he's really helped his cause, though, a whole lot here lately. What has he done? No, he had, I did, the only thing I'd say is if he's truly committed to football, he wouldn't it be nice to come out and actually hear that from him? Like, if they don't want to sign him, they don't want to sign him. Um, Chris Cluey, he was blackballed. Yep, he was a fine player. Um, and I, I'm not saying that they're not that Colin Kaepernick isn't getting blackballed here because I completely agree that he is. But don't you think he could do a couple of things to help uh, help him a little bit more in this? Like if you know if they don't want him, then they don't want him. I mean, I I don't see him begging for a job is going to get him a backup job elsewhere. I mean, there. For Christ's sake, with Dan Olaski still in the league for ten years, yeah. I mean, there are so many bad quarterbacks. There's so many bad backup quarterbacks. Uh, who, who, what, what garbage shit did the Vikings sign? Uh, oh, uh, uh, no. Uh, I was going to say Clemens. I don't think it's Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Yeah, Case Keenum. Thank you. Colin Kaepernick's ten times better than Casey Oh, yes. Kim. Yes, absolutely. I, would, I mean, I would be more. I would be more than happy to have Colin Kaepernick be the backup quarterback for the Vikings or let alone any other team. Um, he's only 29 years old. He played well well last year on a bad team. Um, it's it's embarrassing. It That's is. why I hate the NFL. Just another log on the fire. Um, it's stupid. Training camp start next week, and he is not there. So, um... It's a shame. Whatever that tells you, I mean, it, it, it says a lot. Uh, NBA news, uh, not a whole lot there on the free agent front. Uh, Andrew Wiggins signing a big, uh, what, four-year, five-year, $128 million extension with the Timberwolves. I hope they have enough money left over to uh, sign Cat uh, and maybe Jimmy Butler. I would hope they could re-sign Jimmy Butler. Uh I guess the biggest story in all of this here is the guy who isn't a free agent yet, but who's in the trade uh, rumors because he wants to be out, and that's Kyrie Irving. We've made it 47, almost 50 minutes into this podcast here. We haven't even mentioned Kyrie Irving demanding a trade from the Cavaliers. I, what the hell happened on Friday? He's mad because he were talking about trading him for Paul George or Jimmy Butler. And... Um, 
I don't know why they would do that. He is sometimes their best player. Um, at the end of games, he's their best player. He made the big shot to win LeBron another title last year. He was the one that made the big shot. Sure as fuck wasn't LeBron. So uh, Kyrie Irving, he's not a problem. Um, he's an outstanding player. And apparently, you know, 25 years old, wants to be the guy. I would say, let me just stay here with, uh, with, with LeBron here for one more year and see if we can beat Golden State one more time. And if not, LeBron, he'll be on his way because, God forbid, um, he goes a couple of years without winning the championship. Um, yeah, let's go to L.A. I mean, go to L.A. and, and, and not do well. So, you know, as I said last week, I closed the podcast with, I think, LeBron leaving. Yep. And that might be the deal there after the end of this year. And uh, may go as far to say if she's done winning championships. He's got three right now. And uh, the way Golden State's constructed, I don't see that changing. So I think LeBron is not only is he leaving Cleveland, he's done winning championships. I don't think they're going to trade Kyrie Irving. That would be stupid. It would. Although if they did, although if they did, they did sign Derrick Rose. They've, yeah. Yep. Good old Derrick Rose on uh, how many good ACLs does he have remaining? It's only, I mean, $2 million. I mean, that, that's, that's ridiculous. $2 million. Um, <laughs> Compared to what some of these guys get, absolutely. Yes. So he, by value wise, if he stays healthy, I mean, he can still average 15 points a game. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll be coming off the bench and won't have uh, numbers like he did with the Knicks last year. His numbers were pretty good with the Knicks. Um, of all the guys that are being signed, he gets $2 million. That's a bit of a joke, but there is injury history there. But, um, yeah, Kyrie Irving, uh, not not great. Not a great move, I would say. A, a great move on his part or a great move on... No. no. I mean... I I, under, I guess I, I, did you re, did you realize maybe I, you you follow the association a little bit closer than I did than I do I didn't realize that there uh, that his relationship with James was as sour as it appears to be I mean this I I just don't get that he wants to be the guy he doesn't he wants to be a guy on you know it, he wants it to be his team and that's never going to happen on a team with LeBron James and that's rightfully so because LeBron James is going to go down as one of the best if not the best player in NBA history or well, maybe only to Michael Jordan I think we can uh we, that's a very there's going to be no argument there so if you're playing with an all-time great suck it up because at least you're winning and people know that you are the second best player on that team. Like, no one is saying, oh boy, LeBron James and no one else. Uh, they're saying, no, it's LeBron and Kyrie. I mean, maybe you throw Kevin Love a bone every once in a while, but no one, no, I mean, everyone loves Kyrie and what he does for the Cavs. So I, I don't get this from him. It floors me that the Minnesota Timberwolves have been a, an absolute dog shit of a franchise here for uh, the last decade or so, even more, and yet o- almost overnight they've become a destination for people because apparently Irving has them on the list of teams he would go play for. Cat, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, and Jimmy Butler have gone to try and recruit him. San Antonio seems like the the most likely uh, place at this point should the uh, the Cavs trade him. Though I see that the the Phoenix Suns are trying to actively pursue Irving with a 
with a package deal. Why the hell would it be a Western Conference team? There are goddamn All-Stars going to the West for reasons unknowns to anybody. Right. God damn it. Uh, I mean, the Miami Heat have expressed interest. The New York Knicks, you had mentioned that the Knicks probably make the most sense because they would trade uh, Anthony and a first-round pick or two to Cleveland for Kyrie Irving. If if you want to do that, that's fine. Uh, uh, Cleveland would be the the oldest team in the league, I would feel, by a country mile. Uh, I, I don't know. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense with what Kyrie's doing here. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. LeBron's a free agent at the end of next year. Uh, Kyrie is under contract for one more year after next year, so you're getting them for at least uh, at least one more year after next year. Maybe they uh, maybe they decide to trade him after next season when they lose again in five games in the finals, and that's a plea to keep LeBron happy and get some younger players in there and try to get something. But uh, LeBron's getting old, and I'm sure he wants to win another couple rings, and uh, I don't think he's going to stay in Cleveland very long. So unless unless they pull some sort of move out of their hat, and I don't know what that would be. Yeah. So what would be the best move that the Cavs could make here? If if you were to trade him, you know, within the next week or two, what what would what who would you trade him to, and for what? Like the next trade would be a Carmelo trade, and it would be for this season. I mean, Carmelo's and LeBron, but Carmelo, right, Carmelo's older than LeBron. So that's a win-now type deal. Uh, the thing with LeBron is that when he goes to a team and when he leaves, he leaves them in goddamn shambles. I mean, Cleveland had the first pick for two years in a row when he left. Uh, Miami, not good when he left. And when he leaves Cleveland again, they're going to be terrible again. So yeah. LeBron is there for him. He's not going to say, well, you know, at least Chris Paul. Well, well, I don't know. Miami didn't give up a whole hell of a lot for, uh, for him, like a sign-and-trade sort of deal. Uh, Clippers got a little bit for Chris Paul in that aspect. Um, so maybe, you know, sign-and-trade LeBron gets uh, something for Cleveland in a trade. But yeah, he, he is not too concerned about... Uh, leaving the team better than he found it. So he'll get to the finals a couple of times. He may win one or two, but uh, that's that's it, which I suppose is worth it in the end. Yep. Uh, yeah, especially he, he won a championship for Cleveland. So I think as long as he doesn't do some sort of uh, stupid, dumbass uh, decision again, as he did when he left for Miami, well, then I think then I think met. Cleveland fans, while they're going to be upset if he leaves, he still got them a championship, and it'll be okay. Like LaMarcus Aldridge and the Spurs don't appear to be happy, so maybe he would be part of a trade uh, with him, I suppose. I'm not sure. Uh, O.J. Simpson got paroled last week. A bizarre hearing, uh, I guess. He said some things that you would probably you probably shouldn't say if you're trying to get paroled. I didn't realize he had been in jail for nine years, but apparently he has been, and he's going to be a free man here in October. Uh, I... I don't really know what to say. I guess I want to. Uh, if I mean, what are your thoughts? That OJ getting released? Hey, he probably should get released. I thought the, uh, the penalty was being a little bit too stiff, but obviously nobody cares about what he was in actually jail for. They care about uh, the murders. So, um, you know, yeah, uh, he's a very polarizing figure, and I'm sure. 
don't know if it's on a reality show or there'll be an interview with somebody coming up here at the end of the year probably and that'll be a big deal but um if things people have been talking about how things have changed in the past 10 years how like twitter i don't know if twitter was around if it was it was just getting started facebook was just a couple of years getting going and uh, i don't know if that changes anything at all with him but he's 70 years old i don't think he's going to be heard from all that much um after the end of the year. I made the comparison, uh, and I mean, I agree. If you serve in a nine-year of a 33-year sentence, um, I mean, the punishment doesn't really fit the crime, but again, people are more, you know, looking at the whole murders and everything of that nature. Uh, I mean, he. I think he's definitely a piranha in terms of the NFL. I don't know how much the NFL is going to want to associate with him. Uh, the NFL Hall of Fame has said, yeah, we'll welcome him if he wants to come back. Uh, that's... I, I, I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, again, I, I, the comparison's not a direct one, but I see kind of just the, the stars that he and Pete Rose were in their respective sports... And just what they did again, what OJ Simpson did far worse. But I, I mean, Pete Rose bet on the game of baseball, and you know, the baseball folks are very traditional and say, hey, this is absolutely no no, and he's been banned for life. Now he's working at Fox, he's, he's a pretty good analyst, but he's a little out there as well. Uh, I just, I, I see sort of similarities in Simpson and Rose that way. You two great stars that did heinous crimes, uh, Simpson far worse, but if I'm either, if I'm on the NFL, why would I want to do anything with O.J. Simpson? If I'm the Buffalo Bills, why would I even want to touch this guy? At least yeah, right they away. May, uh, may, I mean, they didn't touch him after 94. They're not going to do anything with him now. Main difference in that is uh, Pete Rose He's on television. He is doing stuff, pre-game, post-game shows, and the playoffs coming up here. Um, he's almost 80 years old, for Christ's sake. He's got to unbutton that top button. But he's, like the Reds had a couple months ago, Reds had a, I don't know, they retired his number, Hall of Fame with the Reds, or some sort of Pete Rose Day. Yeah, and I think like it was right before the All-Star game or something like that. And that's never going to happen with O.J. Simpson. Nobody, nobody associated with the NFL and football is going to have anything to do with the guy in whatever way. Um, but Pete Rose, he's out and about, and I'd be fine with him getting in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but he, you know, he's a, he's not banned from baseball, so to speak. Um, you know, he can he can be around the game. They're not banning him from being on TV or taking a part uh, in in team associated events. So that's good. Yes. Uh... Anything else before we say so long for the week? Mm. Should be about it. Not a lot going on. It, no. uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, but not uh, it's covered it all. Yeah, the, covered it all. The Hugh Freeze, OJ Simpson, baseball trade deadline, Jordan Spieth, uh, everything. Yeah, we got to it here, and uh, shows are going to be longer here coming up because football season's back, and we got we're going to have a lot to talk about here. Uh, let me give you. Let me ask you this here. Uh, I guess we didn't get to our, you know, TV show uh, or TV, you know, sports channels and all that stuff. We, we could try and get to that sure. next week. Uh, sure. Hopefully, there's going to be nothing too big going on. I doubt there is. But uh, what uh, what percent chance do you give 
the Golden Gophers of Landing College Game Day uh, coming to the Twin Cities here within the next couple of years? Oh, pretty good. If any of this uh, coach is always hyped up to be, and I could see a game late in the year um, with Wisconsin. Um, if that's always the same week as Ohio State and Michigan, that's not good because it'll probably be there forever. And it is, yeah. But, uh, um, you know, I could see uh, a game against Michigan, uh, maybe a game against Iowa. Maybe in a, it's got to be an off week where there's not, you know, and, and they've got to be. 04 and 05 and 06 and 0 off to a good start. But, uh, yeah, I could see it. More so just for the coach. We can only hope so. You look at their schedule here. Minnesota's got a pretty pretty easy time of it up until about October 28th. And then it gets a little more difficult. But uh, row that boat. Row the boat, sure. Row row the boat. All right. Excellent, Uh, my friend. What? Uh, maybe eight and four. Maybe eight and four. That'd be fine. Eight and four. I'll say nine and three minimum. Yeah, they were what nine and four last year. So, so I'm not going to do any better than last year. I think nine wins is pretty much. I mean, that's what they top out at. I mean, you know. But uh, yeah, maybe if they get one of these years where they don't have to play Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State. That would help. And they beat Washington State in the Holiday Bowl last year. So that was great fun for everyone. And, uh, yeah, this year they play Michigan's the only big team they play Michigan. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows indeed. Well, we'll see what happens here soon enough. Plenty of college football to talk about. And uh, you and I will be doing it all year long. Good evening. Good evening. Yes, indeed. It'll always be a good evening when we talk here. But uh, thank you as always, my friend. We'll, we'll chat next week. Enjoy the cooler temperatures. I will. You as well. Uh, September 9th, 8 o'clock, Minnesota, Oregon State, Fox Sports 1. Get excited. Woo! But that's, uh, wait a second, we got Buffalo, Minnesota coming up here. The Bills and the Vikings. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's the Bulls and the Gophers. I'm sorry. I got confused. Big games. Big games indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Get excited! Oh, the, who's uh, who's playing for Oregon State now? Is uh, Jacquez Rogers coming back? Uh, Mannion, the the quarterback for Oregon State, he going to be coming back here? Gary Payton's kid, he'll be coming back. Oh, good, Brandon Cooks. Why don't you get on board here? Steven Jackson, sign him up. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, my friend. Travis Grins join us here Sports Block Podcast appreciate his time and efforts as always you can find his 2080 baseball podcast him and Evan something or other never get his name right I apologize Evan I will get this right here at some point but you can find the 2080 baseball podcast available on iTunes just like you can find this podcast available on iTunes just search Sports Block otherwise follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken otherwise Facebook Nathan Stacken also uh, post the links on both sites here middle of the week also uh we'll have a link to it in the blog so uh great stuff as always and uh yeah jordan spieth what a miraculous like if you did not watch the open championship on sunday um i'm sorry uh, golf is not for everyone. It is a niche sport. I will fully admit. I don't watch a whole lot of golf outside of the majors. Uh, the Open Championship is definitely 
the one that I like the most by far uh, because of the weather and just the Lynx style golf. I, I find it very intriguing. But uh, what, what happened on Sunday, un, almost indescribable, the way Jordan Spieth was just had that rocky start, then a tee shot that Johnny Miller called the worst he's ever seen by a professional. Uh, it goes 100 yards to the right, unplayable. He hits a shot from the practice ground, and somehow saves bogey, then almost aces the following hold of the par three, and gets eagle on it. I just can't believe it. He was locked and loaded. He, he was zoned in, in the zone, locked in. I keep repeating myself, but there's no other really great way to describe it. It was just unreal. Phenomenal tournament to watch. Can't wait for next year. Uh, I don't know if we'll get any huge news this week. You know, you got the Hugh Freeze and the Kyrie Irving news last week. You got O.J. Simpson was paroled. I don't foresee any of that happening this week. But if it does, we will talk about it next week on the Sports Block Podcast, as always. Uh, very close here soon. Charlie Hildebrand will be making a triumphant return to uh, talk college football previewing college football and the NFL coming up here in the month of August. So can't wait for that. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, Enjoy the week. We'll see what happens in the world of sports and otherwise. And we'll talk about it all next week here. Nathan Stacken saying thank you for listening. Hope you tune in and listen again next week and download this podcast here. Another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.